Pastor Xavier Reese explains how God's grace extends to whosoever. Both Jew, Gentile, morally, ethically, righteous and unrighteous, the most depraved. The incredible ability for God to save any and every person who calls on His name is just astoundingly unable to be known to its full end. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The cliché of worldly wisdom says, when life hands you lemons, make lemonade. However, biblical wisdom offers more eternal comfort for life's seeming disappointments in Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. So when the Apostle Paul is appealing for the forgiveness of Philemon towards runaway slave Onesimus, he was allowing God the opportunity to glorify himself with the outcome. Pastor Xavier picks up our verse-by-verse study of Philemon at verse 15 today. Let's listen. Paul the Apostle began making his intercession for Philemon by pleading humbly with him for Onesimus. We looked at the perspective of Paul regarding his plea to Philemon for Onesimus in verses 8 through 11. In the contrast of what Onesimus was before Christ and what he was now. Then we looked at the plan of Paul in view of his plea to Philemon for Onesimus. First in verse 12, the apostle Paul personal decision regarding Philemon. He was going to send him back. He would have liked to have kept him, but he knew he shouldn't. And then in verse 14, the Apostle Paul's personal denial regarding Onesimus, that he would do nothing without the consent of Philemon, lest it would be by compulsion or force or contrary to his will. And you actually um, see the Apostle Paul doing what he's asking Philemon to do, to deny himself. For Paul the Apostle is in prison under great need. And here he, he willfully denies himself while Philemon is in the comfort of his home. And yet it's never any authoritative compulsion because he makes this very clear. But as we look with realities and we confront each other with our obligation in Christ, it causes us to reflect and to examine who we are, what we have, and how others have been an example to us. And when we're asked to do that, that is not something impossible, but something very possible. In Christ Jesus. Now we have the spiritual perceptiveness of Paul regarding the purpose of God towards Philemon in verse 15 through 17. Let me read here. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose that you might receive him forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, 
But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. The spiritual perspective of Paul regarding the purpose of God towards Philemon, because he's the object here. Onesimus is just the instrument. It's as follows. Verse 15, the Apostle Paul expressing the potential plan of God. That's how it's first manifested. Secondly, the Apostle Paul declaring the new actual position of Onesimus by the grace of God in verse 16. And then thirdly, the Apostle Paul stating their relational oneness in God in verse 17. And so let's begin here, verse 15. The Apostle Paul was expressing the potential plan of God. Listen to him. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose that you might receive him forever. The temporal separation of Onesimus could have been used by God as part of the process for salvation, Paul is saying. Notice the apostle already told Philemon that one of the reasons he was sending Onesimus back is found in verse 14. He tells them there, without your consent I would do nothing. That your good deed might not be by compulsion, but as it were by voluntary. This focuses on a common respect and courtesy motivated by the agape love from the earthly perspective. Because we're not in heaven yet. And we can still be rude. <laughs> Notice the Apostle Paul now gives to Philemon another reason to think about regarding the decision of Onesimus of running away. The new reason is introduced by the phrase, for perhaps. Gar teka. This introduces the possible heavenly perspective for the flight of Onesimus. The word perhaps presents the idea that we on earth do not know all the things and ways that God uses for the salvation of man and his glory. The word appears in this form only two times. The other is in Romans, where it is translated pre-adventure in Romans 5, 7. It would also be a good translation here, our text, with the idea, what if, pre-adventure, what if this was the case? We don't know how God works, how, when he works, and we, we don't know those mysteries, as we'll see. The nature of the departure, notice, is considered to be part of the sovereign providence of God. This potential heavenly perspective is in contrast to Paul's earthly perspective for sending Onesimus back in verse 14. The word departed is in the era's passive, they tell us, the Greek scholars, signifying the hidden action of God. 
The mistake we must not make or allow any person to make is to ascribe the evil of Onesimus or any other person by the hand of God. Very important. Onesimus was responsible for his own decision to run away and to steal from Philemon. Paul is not defending him nor cleansing him or clearing him of his sin. Yet God in his sovereign mercy used it to reach Onesimus with the gospel in order to save him. Commentators point out the evil of Joseph's brothers as a parallel example as God turning what was intended for evil to good. But it is not an equal parallel of Genesis 50, verse 20. In the case of Joseph, he was innocent and God was protecting him. In Onesimus' case, he is the guilty party and God is merely using the circumstances to confront him with the gospel. Otherwise, we would make God the author and part of sin. You understand? Very important. So we must be careful how we look at these things. Well, you know, God could have, you could have, but you make sure you don't make God one with that sin. You understand? God will use anything and everything to reach people, but he's not the author of that sinful act or deed or thought. You understand? The apostle confirms the hand of God, notice, through the circumstance of Onesimus running away by the statement for a while for this purpose. The Greek text only has two words, pros and ora. The words for this purpose are inserted to make clear that the providence of God had the salvation of Onesimus in mind. They're just placed in there so we get a better understanding, but they're not in the Greek. In fact, the word while is the word ora, H-O-R-A in Greek, which means a certain a definite time, much like the word kairos that we've looked at many times, seasons or epics. But the word ora is more specific in smaller portions. Jesus used this word my hour is not yet come, speaking about the specific hour for the cross in John 2, 4, 7, 30, 8, 20, many, many, many. The exact same word that is used in Spanish, hora, hour. <laughs> exact hour, exact word. Now notice, in contrast, we have the eternal restoration of Onesimus was then brought up by God as the product of salvation. The apostle uses the word that to introduce a purpose clause. We've seen these before. Paul is telling Philemon to consider the possibility of God's incredible grace to use this terrible ordeal to save a person from eternal damnation. Paul is telling Philemon that he should not lose sight of the short time he lost Onesimus for in comparison to the 
unending time he will have him now for. The contrast of a while to forever, aeons is the Greek word meaning eternal. That's that temporal time, small fraction to eternal time. The contrasting perspective, once again, is the earthly to the heavenly, the physical to the spiritual. Notice the one to benefit from the work of God directly is Philemon. Because Paul is addressing himself to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. Paul says that you might receive him forever. He's talking to Philemon. The word receive means to have holy or in full. Before Philemon had Onesimus in part, if that, for he was unprofitable to him. Remember? (laughs) Even when he had him there all the time and physically, he didn't have him. He was a sluggard, he was a thief, and he was a liar. (laughs) But now Onesimus would live up to his name, profitable. The Apostle Paul is telling Philemon that God used the short absence of Onesimus to save him and now, in fact, was returning Onesimus back to him. Literally, this was God returning Onesimus back. For Philemon to not receive Onesimus back would be to reject God's gift to him. For Philemon to receive Onesimus back would be to acknowledge God's gracious gift to him. Do you see the flow of the conversation, the letter here? Hmm. You remember the Philippian jailer. He was under Roman law. And... um, he placed Paul and Silas in prison that night after beating them. And God used that circumstance to save him and his family. Certainly God did not decree or order that evil. But because he, God and he knows the end from the beginning, he knows what's going to happen, and in his wisdom, he can orchestrate that in a way that he doesn't become one with evil. And this is where many people have a problem with God. If I ever conclude that God has something to do with evil, guess who's wrong? I am. He is holy. He's of pure reason to behold evil. The heavens are not pure in his sight. God in his incredible foreknowledge and wisdom will be seeking out sinners throughout the whole earth in every generation and use any and every circumstance and situation to save a person. This is one of the greatest mysteries of God regarding his sovereignty and his ability to use evil men and women committed to their free will and have it be a platform by which God works to save them. It blows our mind. (laughs) But see, when you're God, 
That's no problem. But again, we must be very careful not to say that God planned or was participant of my evil in participation for my salvation. Never. He cannot be one with evil. In other words, your life of fornication, drugs, alcohol, violence, etc., you fill in the blank, can never be said to be at the hand of God in order to magnify His grace, but rather His grace will be sufficient to reveal your sin, forgive your sin, transform you, despite your sin, never being one with your sin. And that's important. God will look out for any person who will look up and call on his name, and he will reveal himself to allow him or her to see their despicable condition separated from God under the wrath of God as a cry to a deliverer. And if they repent, he will save them. But God does not orchestrate or bring about the evil, for then he would be as unholy as we, if not more, because he has a greater power and a greater potential. So the problem is not on God's side. The problem is on my side. Will I trust God sufficiently for the consequences that I will have to live with in my life? You understand? I can find no better words than those of Paul as he's talking about salvation in the book of Romans. As you know, he begins and um, showing the depravity of man, and then he demonstrates the Gentile and Jew are both guilty before God. He knocks off the golden calf, Abraham. He says, we're all justified by faith. And then he said, after we're born again, then we have now the ability to live for Christ, and these instruments of, uh, of, of our bodies, where he calls weapons, are either for destruction or for edification. It's a choice now. Nobody's uh, innocent in terms of sin anymore. And that if we walk in the flesh, then we will be warring against the flesh and we will be defeated by the flesh. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And until I am persuaded that there's not one good thing in me and that I cannot do in the flesh what only the Spirit can do, then I will continue to trust my flesh. And when I get tired and fully convinced, then I will call out, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And, And... it will be, thank God for Jesus Christ. And then I'll move on to chapter 8 and walk in the Spirit. Chapter 7 of Romans is not the warfare. It's a carnal life. By choice, defeated. The spiritual life is chapter 8, by choice. And then he moves on 9, 10, and 11 about the salvation of the Jew in contrast to the Gentile. And this is the final conclusion of that whole aspect of God's ability to save both Jew Gentile Morally, ethically, righteous and unrighteous, the most depraved. Listen to this. All the depth 
the richest bowls, the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord and who has become his counselor or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. The incredible ability for God to save any and every person who calls on his name is just astoundingly unable to be known to its full end. <laughs> the Apostle Peter tells us in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but his long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's will is that all be saved, but he knows that not all will repent and accept salvation. So salvation can never be faulted on God's side. It's always on man's side. So if you believe that God only chose a few, the elect, while having the potential to save all, and then choosing the majority and decreeing them to hell, and then hold him responsible for their sin while never having them given them a choice to repent by his decrees, he would have to be the most unjust God, the most unholy God. The failure of man to be saved is always upon man, not God. Never. He is the propitiation for our sins and not ours alone, but the whole world 1st John 2 2 do not interpret the whole world and the world in John 3 16 as the Calvinists do the elect the whole world is the whole world the elect in context is speaking about the saints who are saved or the Jew context will always tell you but do not interpret John 3 16 and 1st John 2 2 the world and don't insert the elect there. It's not what it's talking about. It's talking the world as a whole. He died for every person's sins. And if they call in the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. God would have us rejoice over the salvation of sinners. Some are saved in Sunday school by the grace of God. It's great. Others are saved in, before their teens, during their teens, or afterwards. And then there are those who get in at the last hour. How do you feel about that? Are you envious? Are you jealous? Do you say, that's not fair? That dude had so many girls. That guy just partied all the time and he still gets in. Your heart should break that he missed so much here on earth walking with Christ and he just wasted his life. Never be envious of the wicked. Either way, we are to thank God and recognize that we will spend all eternity with them. Luca 15, 7, Jesus said, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. The Apostle Paul was expressing the potential plan of God. Who knows? Is not that what Esther's uncle told her who knows hey that's cool you don't have to go to the king 
But just imagine, who's to know if God has put you in such a place at such a time as this? I'm not saying it is, I'm just saying, what if? <laughs> Makes Philemon think. Lift his heart to God. Pastor Xavier Reese, drawing more practical, simple truths from our verse-by-verse study of Paul's letter to Philemon today. Now, there's much more of this message to come next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply Paul's Thoughts to Philemon. It's available on CD for only $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Paul's Thoughts to Philemon, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 